0: All right, uh, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. We are Tony and I are extremely excited tonight to have uh, Coach Mike Seawalk with us.
1: Coach, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. It's a little nippy down here in Atlanta, but it's 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 very doable. <laughs> a lot more doable than up north, I can tell you. Yeah, well,
0: it's even colder here in Virginia. Um, hey, Coach, listen, um, you know, for those of you uh, the, the listeners that don't know, right? Talk about your background, where you grew up, where you played. You know, and then talk about you know your coaching journey up to through, uh, you know, through Georgia Tech.
1: I'll tell you what happened, Matt. I started off in uh, just outside Johnstown, Pennsylvania, in in a in a in a borough outside in Westmont Hilltop, and uh, I I was a fullback defensive tackle in high school, and I had a couple of guys come up through there. Uh, Don Struck or not Don? Yeah, Don Struck was it was a quarterback at Virginia yep. Tech. He came up and recruited through that area, and. then, Waverly Brooks later,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Was over in Williamsburg. I yep. mean, uh, Waverly came and his blue eyes and his blonde hair. I sold <laughs> my mom and sold me. Then I went to the University of Virginia. But and in high school we had a very very good football team and we ran the football and they pulled me and I was a I was a fullback in fullback defensive lineman in high school and uh, I uh, was three two hundred nine pounds oh, and wow. I, I went to Virginia and they. We went down there, and I used to return kicks in high school. Wow. Yeah, this kind of shows you how uh, how times have changed. I don't think <laughs> they'd ever let anybody like me go back there and return the kicks. I know I wouldn't. And uh, what I did do was I uh, I uh, I kind of enjoyed the football aspect. And when I went down to Virginia, we we the University of Virginia, we went and they put us in the circus. And I wanted to be uh, uh, first. I tried out as a fullback, and they shook their heads. Then I tried out as a defensive lineman, and they shook their heads. And in special teams, I'd go and try to return kicks, and they shook their heads even more. <laughs> and they moved me to the offensive line, and they said they wanted position flexibility. Coach Dick Bestwick was my coach at the time; it's his first year there. And uh, Coach Bestwick talked about position flexibility. In uh, for me, obviously. And then after about three days, I went in there and found out that they weren't very flexible about me moving anywhere else that I needed to. <laughs> Offensive lineman. And, uh, I started, uh, you know, I, I had a great coach, I had two real good coaches. And, um, I, uh, Jack Daniels was one of my best coaches. Uh, he, he taught me how to come off the ball. Uh, Mark Hunter was a player down here at Georgia tech he came up with Dick Bestwick as a graduate assistant and Mark Hunter, he took a lot of time trying to get that six inch jab step that everybody talks about forever and a day. And I, I heard it beat into my head so many times, well, you're overstepping, you're overstriding, you're overstriding. I never really did understand it, to be honest with you. I just tried to do it like everybody else and pretended like I was learning, but I really didn't understand it and learning. But it made a lot of sense when Mark Hunter took me off to the side and showed me about bending your hips and being in a hitting position and running off the ball and running into people and getting movement that way because I think I, when I reported to college, I was two hundred and twenty one pounds or 225 pounds. And I've told everybody, I mean, if the guy brought an O-line or a D-line in to me now, it was 220 or I just, you know, you guys know, you just turn around and go, Hey, come on, this guy's, you know, you got to do a better job. Go out the door and find somebody else. I mean, I could find a guy <laughs> 220 on <at> 7-11. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But as, as it turned out, things uh, worked out for me at Virginia. And then uh, Jack Daniels got the head job at Hobart college And I tried out with the Colts and I tried out with the Colts were back in Baltimore Mm -hmm. and we had Teddy Marchabroda on our football team. And we had George Pearl, Terry Perlis was on our football team too. And George Perlis came down and saw us. And I got a chance to go with the Colts for a couple of days. And I went chance the Steelers for a couple of days. And uh, I thought my coaches in high school were the smartest coaches in the world. I really did. I never thought anybody was any smarter than Pat Sherlock and his group of guys. And, Skip Skyron and them guys, so I thought those guys and Milt Lance, they taught me some things that I thought were impeccable. And Old Mr. Claycomb used to have a rope uh, and he tied around the, we used to, it wasn't a chute, it was just a rawhide rope and you didn't want to get above that rope because you get the rope burns on your back and it was <laughs> one of them big thick ropes and so we learned to play low in high school and we kind of carried over down into college because they had chutes then, but they had single man chutes and then uh, later on, when I became a line coach out in Hawaii, which I'll talk to in a minute, but I developed, uh, I brought a shoot along, and I wish the heck I would have patented it, because then I could, not I'd probably have a house in a couple different places. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't patent it, I just, I was just using it because I knew my kids, and I think that's what happened. And then, so it, after playing, I tried out, didn't make it, and. Uh, I kept seeing how these other guys, these other coaches were just so much smarter than my high school coaches. And my college coaches were really smart and pro coaches were really smart. And I was like, man, these guys are fantastic. And then Jack called me up and asked me if I wanted to be offensive line coach for him at Hobart college. And I spent two years up there in division three up in Geneva, New York and Finger Lakes. And I went out and recruited learned learned about BEOG grants. And I learned about Pell and I learned how to stretch money as far as you could stretch it and bring pl- players in and, the matriculation fees were so important to our program at division three. And then we had some success at Hobart. And then, um, uh, some of those guys from university of Virginia were down at Georgia tech with Rip Shear, uh, mm-hmm. Rip was down here at the time. And then I think Rip, Rip actually helped me get into Georgia tech as a graduate assistant. I spent two, uh, one year there with Rip and then, uh, I met Mac McWhorter and Chip Wisbon. And Mac McWhorter was, he was a real good line coach, and him and Jack Fleague were excellent coaches. I mean, I, I couldn't have been around better tutelage. I mean, I had left from Jack to, to, uh, to Jack Flieger and and Mac McWhorter. I mean, Mac's been coaching, I guess, 40 years. I mean, he was everywhere and yeah. he played at Georgia and he was a captain at Georgia. Yeah, uh, and he was a good. He was a good student. Couldn't do math. Couldn't do math real well. He, <laughs> and uh, I just started in there because, of course, the Georgia Tech Georgia battle is rough for, a day, for years. <laughs> Eleven years, I'd get barked at at Zaxby's as I'd go through there, and they'd see my GT on their shirt, and they'd bark at me, and I'd be like, "Son of a gun! What did I do wrong?" Yeah. And, uh, so then uh, I went. I went down to Georgia Southern. Uh, as a restricted earnings coach, with uh, that's when I met Irk Russell and Paul Johnson and uh, Timmy Stowers and, and Jay Russell and um, Mike Healy and Patty Douglas and those guys. I mean, they, we only had six full-time coaches at Georgia Southern at the time, so they just moved up in 84 to 1AA, and I came in 85, and that was the first national championship. So I was lucky enough to be there, and I was coaching the running backs Because when we first started off, we had a a tight end in the offense, and I just coached the fullback and the tailback. And Jay Russell coached the tight ends and the wide receivers. And Timmy Stowers did the offensive line, and then Paul Johnson did the quarterbacks. And I was fortunate to get hired full-time by Irk the next year on defense because Patty Douglas left us and uh, went to the real world to get a job and make money because he was – well, he was Catholic, and he kept get, his family kept getting bigger and bigger. So I, they uh, really gave me opportunity to to play or to coach, and uh, coach gave me my first full time job, and I'll never be debt. I mean, couldn't be any more indebted to him.
0: Yeah.
1: Obviously, learning the offense was important to me uh, because when we first started in '85, like I said, we were in the eye for the first three weeks, I believe, in 1985. If you go back and look at that film, you'll be like, man. And we went down to play Troy on our third game, I believe, and uh, we slugged it out with them pretty good. We had some good players, man. We had uh, Gerald Harris and Ricky Harris, and we had Tracy Hamm at quarterback. We had a pretty stout offensive line, and we had Lonnie Bradley at tight end. Cool cool trussell coming from Georgia Southern, he wanted, the, he wanted the, the sprint draw week and the tall sweep, and he wanted ISO, and he wanted the power play. I mean, that's Georgia's offense yeah, yeah. forever and a day, and Irk kind of let Paul – johnson and uh kind of break it because um it, it, uh, we had uh uh he, paul just moved over from defense to offense like uh, a year before and then he ended up being he really wasn't the coordinator johnson i think coach let him just call the plays and then he made him the full-time coordinator after the 85 season
2: uh-huh.
1: and then in 86 i was on defense but in 87 what happened was paul went to uh Hawaii. And I, I went up with Art Baker. I shouldn't say went up there. I tried to, I tried to take an offensive line job with uh, Art Baker. Coach Russell talked to Art Baker for me because he knew I wanted to coach on the offensive line. And we had Stowers and we only had six full timers at Georgia Southern. So it wasn't going to be like we had split the offensive lineup because you couldn't. Right. Paul said he wanted to, Paul was going to go to Hawaii. And he uh, called me from Hawaii because he was going to offer Tim the job. To go with him but Stowers didn't want to go to Hawaii at the time he just had a baby and his wife and everything wanted to stay close to home and so they didn't and I was single and I could pack up and go and I was actually up in Greenville when Paul called me from Hawaii and he said hey if Timmy doesn't go would you consider coming out do you want to come and of course I said yeah I mean I'm young. Right. So I was young at the time and I said sure let's go do it so then we we had eight seasons out in Hawaii and then I ended up meeting a bunch of guys and then Jimmy Grove was at the at the Air Force Academy and we play them every year. And Groby kind of like what we did. We kinda like what Grobe did. And I, I I met with Bob Noblet a bunch. And like this time of year, when you go to AFCA championships, I mean I mean convention, you I would go and sit with Noblet, and I'd talk to him about stuff and i talked talk to Norm Chow at BYU about stuff. And I mean you'd go see Roger French. I mean I'd go see those good offensive line coaches. Cause they were, I mean, they're really impressive. I mean, Alex Gibbs used to come out to Hawaii and vacation and I'd go pick him up and we'd, we'd talk football forever. And then, you know, my, the way I taught the scoop was different than he had, ta- he'd ever heard before. So he, I felt like I was, uh, in rarefied air yeah. when Alex Gibbs was telling you, man, that's pretty special. I mean, and I, I, I was, I was really shocked by it, to be honest with you and yeah. uh, honored because it is, here's Alex Gibbs and he's asking me and, and wants more information from me. I, I mean, I tried to get as much information as I could from him. Yeah. I and mean, I think that's I think that's the one thing that uh, you know I, we talked earlier about Zoom. I mean I, you can't you can't sit and you can talk to people, but you just can't physically see what they're doing. Uh, I married my uh, Robin and I got married in 87. And I'd go to the convention. And I'd come back all black and blue. And Robin would go, "What were you doing?" I said, "Well, I was learning pass rush moves from <laughs> yeah. from some guys in the in the lobby." Yeah, yeah. in the lobby. And she's yeah. going in the lobby. I said, "Yeah." yeah. I said, "Well, they." I said, "Those older guys. They just think they can push you around." I mean, <laughs> the line coaches. They're just. They're very physical. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They like to grab you and hold you. I mean, they, they won't let the center get up to the backside linebacker. No how, no way. Yeah. And that just bothers me so. But uh, I spent uh, eight seasons in Hawaii, and then I went with Groby as offense coordinator to Ohio University. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had a quarterback's job come open when I was out there, and I called Johnson, and I said, hey, Johnson, why don't you come out here and be the quarterback Go, He just laughed at me. <laughs> it was never going to happen. And then Paul went to Navy about six weeks later. And he goes, hey, I got a line job. Why don't you come to the naval academy? I said, no, nah, I just stick right here with Groby. And learning from Groby was another, another good experience. I mean, he—he's a good, real good man. I mean, just—I mean, I'm so grateful to him and so thankful for what Groby let me do. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, on our staff, we had Troy Calhoun and Timmy Deruder, and Groby would let those guys. We let us all coach. I mean, he. And we experienced stuff, and I knew sometimes when I look back on it, man, I must have screwed up a thousand times. But Groby never really—he get mad, he got mad at us once because he told us to go home. And uh, Timmy Deruder and I, Deruder was the coordinator, and I was the offensive coordinator. We got out, and it was a snowy day, and he said, "Go home." And it was on a Sunday, and we just the first couple, the first year at Ohio University, they were 0 and 11. There was a reason why they gave Groby that job, <laughs> and it wasn't because. Of, it was good. So it was a good job, but Groby made it a good job and we had a good time. And so he, he told everybody to go home. So I, I got out the car and I got out there and Timmy and I, we went around just to a little place to grab a sandwich and a cold drink. And then I, I said, let's go. I'm going to go back. And he goes, yeah, me too. So we went back and I guess Groby was in town and he saw our cars back in there, man, he got mad at the rooter. I heard him say to Timmy, I told you guys to go home. That was not a suggestion. That was a directive. Mm-hmm. And I said, a directive? Yeah. Said, hey, when he came to my office, I was packing up. I said, oh, I just left something. I, said, I just left something, coach. I, I wasn't working. And I went <laughs> home that. I told Robert. I said, I think I got tired for working too hard. <laughs> but uh, Roby was, I mean, he was, uh, I really thank him. And I really, I tell you, Troy Calhoun, at the time, we would mess around with some stuff because we did, we put the midline in at Ohio University. We went to go play Toledo and uh, we, we man, we scored like 39 points in a game. And the midline was a huge, huge success. Yeah. And at Ohio, <laughs> it's kind of strange. Uh, they'd scored only 71 point total points the year before we got there. Oh, wow. And so I was the offensive coordinator. I was named the, employee of the employee of the year because I think we scored uh, 30 points or 28 points in this first home game and uh, 35 points like the third home game and uh, they didn't even know that scoreboard actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> so we were pretty fortunate we didn't do well that first year but that second year boy we played good and then uh, Paul got the job down at Georgia Southern. And then I left the division one program to go down there and be his offensive coordinator, which he let me coordinate for the first two games and let me call plays for the first two games. And he, he was in my ear all the time. And then finally he just, he said, I got this. And I would do the court, I'd do the stuff and I put it all in and we'd work together on it. And, but he, it was his, I mean, he loved it. That was yeah. his, he had, and and that's how he got the job. He got the job because of what he was and what he did because he didn't play, he didn't play college football. He played uh, college basketball. He didn't, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't been up to the the NFL camps or any of that stuff. I mean, he just, he, he just played and he just had an understanding. I mean, he learned uh, a lot like Tony, he was around a wishbone guy his whole life. And then when we went double slot, it just kind of, kind of worked out for us. And then uh, after Georgia Southern, I got the head job when Paul left and he was 62 and 10. And I, you know, he says, I think about going back here, but all I do is screw up that record. I said, Dang, no, I'd never go back there after going 62 and 10. And then I went 30, uh, 35 and 14, but wasn't good enough. After I lost four, after I lost the 11th game, I knew my, I knew I was on a short lease. And they <laughs> I, and me. Uh, I went back and, you know, I, they, I had pretty good contracts. So I didn't have to do much. And, uh, I got my master's that year, and I, I thought if I ever had to go back into coaching anywhere, if I didn't, couldn't find a job, I'd at least go to high school. So I got my master's. You know, we always talk about being a, a you know, it's education, education, education when we're recruiting kids, but you'd be surprised at how many college coaches don't have their master's and they just, they just relied on um, football to, to do what they wanted to do. And then Paul went, took the Georgia Tech job, and um, shoot, uh he hired me and then uh i was i mean i came in here and we were there for 11 years we had a real good run i mean it was tough for paul because he the atlanta journal i mean the the press and everything else they always you know they oh that's you know it's up the middle up the middle up the middle and you know hey third you know third down and six and you're running the triple i mean what the heck you are giving it to the fullback i mean it's crazy but um sometimes those journalists don't really see the game like we all can see the game. So, and they, they listen to these message boards and everything else and these uh, announcers, which uh, now that I'm out, I see these announcers and I think I just shake my head and I, <laughs> and I know a I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I've I've, I've been around some guys and um, it was pretty nice to to do it. And, and then uh, it just so happens that I, got in the state retirement system so I had 34 and a half years and then so I could retire and uh I I did and uh I, I I do I try to help some high schools and I try to help some guys and I talk to some people and people call me from time to time and saying hey what happens when the five technique squeezes you so hard that you can't get up on the linebacker I said well those days are actually really gone but I said we used to run a g scheme where the tackle would come down the guard and pull around and get the linebacker and it almost we called it we called it 12 G at one time, but then it became six was a little little bit of a speed option. And uh it just hey, them boys out there that when they did it, he went through the dag playoffs, bang, bang, bang. He called me up, he goes, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the Wing T teams, they 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 like the midline because it works off the trap and the gut and the you know and the and the cooling yeah. both guys on the sweep and then you run the midline in there behind it. I mean, it just blows people's minds. So those linebackers can't run and i've said it a thousand times if i when i die i want to come back as the backside linebacker because no one ever blocks him yeah. <laughs> yeah he can run around and have a good time and and i just kind of think that's how that whole thing transpired and that's pretty much my career in a, in a nutshell right there i just kind of boy, on. that's a that's
0: an awesome journey coach i really
1: appreciate
2: you sharing it wait Hey, speaking of a retirement coach and helping high schools out, we got a good friend uh, down in Key West, uh, Coach Hughes.
1: Yes, very he, well. He told us a story about you coming down there and helping out, man. He was so appreciative of that. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I've told him and we were supposed to do it again this past year if it wasn't for COVID. My yeah. wife, is, that's one of the best benefits my wife has ever had. And, I, and Coach, it, he does a good job, and they do a good job. And uh, I, he, he did let me – uh, help him a little bit and I'd be on the field with him some, and I'd come in the mornings and, uh, I'd, I'd go in there, uh, just before noon and visit with him. Actually I'd wake up in the morning and my wife would walk and I'd fish, I'd fish that, I'd fish that, uh, seawall from the, from the airport down to the, to the, uh, Hilton where we stayed. And I'd fish that whole thing. And then I'd go there about, he got off at like 10 30, uh, 11, yeah, 11 o'clock and I would go visit with him. Then I met with his offense, offensive line coach, because he'd have lunch duty, and then he'd he'd get his thirty minutes, and he he'd come flying over, and then at three o'clock we'd we'd all put it in, and we'd go out on the field and practice it, and uh, they let me do drill tapes and everything, and as soon as they went to defense, out the door I went. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, what I'm talking uh, about. <laughs> I'm telling you what though, John is he is straight up good, and he he runs it really well, and he has some hard nosed kids that played and. God bless those little offensive linemen. I I see some of those kids, you know, they talked about uh, DeMonte Smith being 175 pounds, being a wide receiver. Yeah. John Hughes got some 175 pounds. <laughs> <guards>. <laughs> <Sure does. laughs> and, uh, it was kind of amazing. I told him I'd be an Uber driver down there if he could just – and he said he'd help me anytime he he could. But, yeah, if, as soon as we get this thing over again, I promise you I will go down there again for seven days. It, he he All he did was put us up in the hotel there and we – we went down there and kind of – it was beautiful. And uh, I'd never been down there, but it was nice.
2: Well, I don't know if you saw. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with Miami Northwestern this year. That yes, was they, unbelievable. I saw that game.
1: I talked to them boys I, – I, I, I do talk to them boys on, on more than one occasion. I, I, I can be honest with you. They, uh, they're they good people. I, yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about John and, and uh, them boys down there. They They're, they're special. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, they cool did deal. a great job this year, boy. They really did. Well, well, Coach, talk to us a little bit about what it was like to to coach for Erk Russell and and then compare that to what it was like to coach for Paul Johnson. You know, how were they similar and how were they different?
1: Well, I used to give a speech. I used to talk about uh, Bill Curry, Bobby Dodd, Erk Russell. And those guys used to be – they were some guys that I worked for and you know, Bill Curry, when he, when I came here in 84, at Georgia tech, and I was just in awe of him. I, the way he, how he could, he could talk you right to the, he could talk you right into the gates. And then Bobby Dodd was so smart. I mean, I took three notebook pads one time and we were sitting there, uh, Don Lindsay was our D coordinator and he talked about uh, putting, you know, having a game plan and putting things together and having a couple of screen passes coming off the goal line and a couple of screen passes going in, which I thought was just amazing. And it, you know, sometimes I mean, in Hawaii we did some screens off the off the triple where we'd drive it in there and then bootleg, not bootleg, but let the fullback come out the back and we'd block for him. We'd we'd gash people with it because they all thought the fullback was blocking and it worked great against eight man fronts. And we saw a bunch of those because it's load option and one high safety. They think they can play it, and uh, but he was kind of special. And then uh, Bill Bill Curry and then when Irk, I used to tell everybody, I said. Bobby – Bill Curry would get you to the gates of hell. Bobby Dodd had a plan to get you through the gates of hell. And Irk Russell, he knew you were going to beat the devil himself at hell. (laughs) I mean, even if it was the devil's home field, Irk Russell could get you to win because he always had that – he always had that scratch at the back of the head and he'd tell you, oh, them boys are so big and strong. He says it would be hard for the Eagles to get out. I don't know if we can get out this one alive. You know, I didn't. You know, we got to save the equipment because we got to play six more games after this. So he said, "Let's get some of our better players out of the game if we were getting just pounded." But uh, he was—he was special, and I think that—that's—I think Coach Russell. He gave me my first job, and then he gave me my—you know—he let us get in there. He let his coaches coach. He let, and he believed in you. And the biggest thing about working for Coach Russell was you didn't want to let him down. You wanted to work so hard that. If he had a question and you had a good answer, okay, Mike, okay. Or if you didn't have a good answer, he'd say, "What about this? You ever thought about that?" And you're like, "Damn, what a! I'm an idiot." (laughs) And I, I I, I use that phrase a long time. I don't know if I stole it from him or if he used it on me, but he'd say, "Man, he's an idiot with the capital E," and I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm an idiot with the capital E." And then uh, working with Johnson, I mean we came up together so we were you know I always had his back I mean I was always going to help him no matter what he could do I was going to make sure that you know no one would get him I mean I didn't like it when anybody you know people get on about this that other thing or it used to bother the, the just the, bother me and so I, I I'd always uh, uh, you know I try to help him in any which way I could and you know, and I'm sure there are times when I've been, I helped him a bunch. Uh, we won a lot of games together, but I know that I could have done a better job at times. I mean, we only had the one losing season at Georgia Tech the whole time we were there, and we still didn't have a losing season in the ACC. We just had a, had a tough non-conference schedule, and that's, that's part of winning now, And nowadays. I mean, you get teams that, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus in the ACC, but there are a couple of teams in there that'll schedule a Randolph making and come back with Emory and Henry. That you know, you play them for three weeks in a row. That's tough. Yeah. So, but it was it was good. I mean, Paul he always stretched it, and he always you know we always went back to the basics. That's the one thing I can say about both coaches. Is they the base the 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 actual coaching the actual basis the the footwork, the uh, the quarterback the mesh point of the fullback the footwork of the court of the center and the guard the relationship to the linebackers I mean getting linebackers was always our our goal and uh, getting that playside linebacker and knocking him down and letting that back get into the secondary as fast as he could was good and you know a couple of years there. I know when uh, I know when we were at, it, it when Paul was the head coach and I was his coordinator and uh, shoot we'd have eight yard eight yards by the eight yards by the fullback on the give we'd have almost ten yards per play by the quarterback and we'd be averaging about fourteen yards on the pitch and it was just crazy I think I I've been around this offense for a, a good piece and uh, I I think at one time I know that I had that. I think I had I think I've led the nation or I've been a part of teams that led the nation in Russia nine times, I think. Yeah. I would be I know I did it three times at Georgia Tech and I know I think we did it at least six times when I was Southern. at So at Southern. Yeah. And so it is it's pretty good. And of course when we were in Hawaii, hell, everybody let you everybody let you run the ball because they were everybody else was there through it all over. You had BYU and Sandy. Yeah. Man. Oh, I mean, man, I can remember they had 99 offensive plays. And Ooh. I said, Damn. and I told that to coach Russell he said, coach Russell said, man, that's a lot of three and outs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's how coach Russell, it, like, he was so quick, so quick-witted and nothing was ever, it, it was always, uh, you know, nothing was strainful and everything was packed. And, and when we did our work, we did our work and we went home. And uh, I think that was the other thing that I, I, I learned from those guys. And and Paul was the same way. I mean, we we worked hard and uh, we, we grinded, but we, we didn't, we weren't in there till 11 o'clock at night. So, and maybe that's a trade secret, or maybe you think you got to outwork people, but Paul didn't think you had to. And God bless Irk. Irk taught Paul that. And I think, that was a part thing that I think that we all kind of took away from it. And I know when I was the head coach, I told our guys that, you know, and I think, I think Groby in his own right, Groby was the same way. Groby, he let you, he wanted you to be fresh. I mean, one thing about an option coach is uh, you can practice all you want for the week. And then all of a sudden there's going to be a wrinkle that the defense has, and you know, it's coming, you don't know what to do. You can practice. The option coaches are good. Um, Monday through Friday. And then there's option coaches that are real good on Saturday.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think, you know, one thing that I can say about, and I, I think a lot of people will, will attest to this is work for Paul or even Ert would say about him. That boy can see all I think you can see all 22. And I said sometimes I think you can see the subs on the side to fix it Because I remember calling a play, I remember calling 312 vertical against William might have been William and Mary in uh, 96. 96. Yeah. And then the very next play, I, he said he got on the headset. We scored a touchdown on it because I was going down there and the safety was just biting, just coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. screaming up. And I said, well, we'll get, we'll get him with this. And we threw the vertical. And then Paul told me, he goes, do it again. And I'm like, but coach, they're going to have He goes, just do it again. So we did it again. And so I'm going we hit a touchdown the very next time. I said, how? And, and that Sunday, I came and I sat down there and I said, what did you go? You knew what was going to happen. I said, I didn't know what was going to happen. He said, Well, this guy was going to, the safeties were going to, going to play cover two. And he said, Then you, and we did. We hit the vertical with the eight back for a touchdown. And the very next time we threw it to the wide receiver on, on the boundary. And it, it just blows my mind that he would know that he sensed what they, what their adjustment was. And that, and I think that's when we decided, or we didn't decide. That's when he decided. <laughs> I went in and asked him, I was like, Cause, cause, he would see things in the game and say, Hey, y'all do this. Y'all I mean, just making suggestions. I'd call the game. And he'd say, you got to, ought to do this. And then son of a gun. And, and then I think he, he just realized that heck I was, I wasn't over my head. And I think I, I learned a lot from him because of it, honestly. And yeah, that was, I think that was a good learning experience for me too. Yeah. Well, that's a neat, that's really neat. But to say I, I would work for both again. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think they were both good guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, coach, before I, I don't want to hog this up for Tony, but
2: no, you're good, coach.
0: We we talked about this uh, a while ago, coach, and, and I just think it's really important for listeners to understand history. Okay, you've been there from the beginning, man. So if you can just, you, and you mentioned earlier, right? You were in the eye for you know three week games,
1: and then, maybe short, you and then we had to play Chattanooga. And they had Rick Mitchell. And that week the Chattanooga's defense went down to play Alabama. The same week we played Troy, Chattanooga was in Alabama playing Alabama. And I think they won 17 to 7. Alabama did. And I was thinking to myself, gosh dang it, Chattanooga held Alabama to 17 points. And that's when uh Coach Russell, after we came back, and we were we were just they would stack it on us and anytime you had that full you know you had the tight end they the strength and weakness and right. defenses are playing to the strength they weren't playing field and they weren't doing anything else and then in double slot you could balance them out and and the, the, the truth of the matter is uh we also had a a, a full house backfield with three you know we had a strong backfield two tight ends and three backs in the back on goal line and we took some d linemen and made them full back and setback, and we'd double you know run the ice double lead and we run the kick out and the power and with those guys. And uh, when we played Chattanooga, I think we scored 19 points that week, but we scored more than Alabama and we scored more than Chattanooga that day too. It might've been 24 to 19. But then after that, it went to 48 points. I mean, double slot. Johnson had Tracy Ham going. I got the coach. You know, like I said, uh, um, I was coaching Gerald Harrison. He had a thousand yards. I mean, he was, he was not very fast. And uh, I had Ricky Harris and, and Mel, Melvin Bell was in there. And Frankie Johnson was in there. And some of these young guys, uh, Kenny Butler and Ricky Harris with load scheme came up because uh, Ricky, he was supposed to arc. Instead, he went and loaded on the linebacker. Supposed to go get the safety. And he just went in. I think they had a little feud going and he just lit him up. And we said, dang, that's a pretty good scheme. Cause we, you know, we were hand bouncing poor Stowers. He's just like every other offensive line coach trying to get those tackles to be released inside when the guard covered and get the linebacker and it was hard to get the linebacker on eight man fronts
0: Yeah.
1: early days, we used to be able to do that. And even in Hawaii, we were able to do that, but man, I'll tell you what, from about 1988 or 89, from that point on, it was hard for the release inside and get a tackle up on it, unless it was third down long and they were going to pass rush you.
0: Yeah.
1: Or you saw a blitz coming. You knew it was going to slant out, but yeah. you give anyway. So right. it was just, it was part of the deal. So we, uh, <clears throat> We went to that double slot, and and then we just started lighting it up. And um, we went to the national championship, and shoot, we were down like 42 to 6 or something like that. We were down pretty good. And the next thing you know, we ended up winning that ball game 44-42 or something like that. And, man, it was just on from that. And then in 86, we were better on (laughs) – we were better because we'd done it for a full year of that double slot in the spring and practicing and, and getting angles down and, you know, keeping that ball one and a half yards from the line of scrimmage and always having that threat hitting it right now, right. So fast. I think that was the biggest key to the, running the triple and running the inside veer Cause the inside veer is our base. It's our bed and butter. Everything comes off the triple, everything. And you got to have a fullback dive play where you're going to block the read key too, because the read key's going to, you can't let the fullback get blown up the whole entire game. You can you can start game planning when the four eyes in there. You wash him down and bounce it outside. I mean, it, people were thinking it was outside veer, but it was just fourteen fifteen. It was just we were going to block the four eye because we knew the four eye was taking it. And honest to God, that's how I got the coordinator's job at Air Force with Groby because Groby said, "This one play here, show me what what what. How are you guys plucking? How are you reading this?" I go, "Coach, that's just a give read." He goes, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." And then the fullback would just knife it up because the linebacker was scraping out so fast you get right in behind him. And, and if you didn't, he'd have weak shoulder. You'd ask your fullbacks to break a weak shoulder. And uh, we, you know, we had uh, before we got before Johnson and everybody was down there, we had Hugh Nall and uh, oh, the old coordinator slips my mind. Now he ended up going to Arizona with uh, Tomey and them, uh, but he put it in before we got there too. him. mean, he would double slide in the passing game. So he went down to see Miles Davis And we did the double slot. We did the double slot in the mouse in the passing game. So we took our passing game formation and made it into a run game formation. Johnson was familiar with the triple. Stars was familiar with the triple option. I'd run some option when I was uh, up at Hobart College with Jack Daniels. We did some one back stuff, and that was really some speed and, and, uh, you know, uh, G, the X, the G pool by the guard and just wrapping and just trying to get around the outside and just bellying out. it was just, uh, it was just speed options, all it was. But it just blew some people's minds because you know you always try to pound, 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 and everybody, everybody gets in the B gap. Before you know it, you got four people in the B gap, and there's no place to run the football. So you could get outside, and I think that double slot stuff, and um, it just kind of gave us an opportunity to spread the field, keep the formation balanced up, and you know people would always say, "Man, they run into the boundary the whole time." Well, it's because you're playing cover three, and you got the strong safety to the field. So they're no longer there are playing field, either field defense or boundary defense, and pretty soon they had to balance up on you. And now uh, you let your guys go wherever they wanted to go, and then you run some trap, you run some counter, and people are running on the tail motion, and tail motion goes as fast as you can. And I, that's the one thing people used to come and visit us forever in a day, and they'd leave, and then they'd call you back. And um, I'm not saying any name by name, but they'd call you back and say, "How are you getting that a back?" In pitch relationship, you know, we try to get him off and he just can't get there. He's always behind. I go, Well, you know, our snap count was ready, said hike. Everybody knew it was ready, said hike. Everybody in the whole free world, because we would go with clinics, and we'd tell everybody our snap count was ready, said hike. Now we'd go on two every once in a while in a blue, you know, but most of the time we'd go out. Know, We'd see guys jumping the can, snap kind, then we'd go on too, and catch them, and our guys would all be snickering and thinking this is the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. And, oh man, our coaches are so smart; they're, they're helping us. Yeah, we're helping. <laughs> we, we got we're invested in this too now. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not just That's you right. guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it kind of worked out pretty good for us, and uh, I think that um, that ha- as the season went on, and you know, we had to go back, and we'd lost to Middle Tennessee earlier in the year we were in the eye and then we went and played them. They were number one in the country and uh, Boots Donnelly was up there and he was a blue Raider fan, a blue Raider man. I mean, that's all I ever heard that that song just playing and playing as we were out there prepping for him and son of a gun, we, we got him. And that was the, that was the way it went. And that was a pretty good run. we we'll go to Tacoma and beat Furman up at Tacoma. And then next year we go up there and beat Arkansas state and they had a good football team too, but uh, our guys were, our guys just went and played, and I, I think that the option itself, I think that the, I think that the kids, um, they took pride in getting blocks on the perimeter because now they didn't have to – you didn't ask those fullbacks to go up there and, you know, the, full, the linebacker knows he's coming to get you. You know that you got the ball. You yeah. you're going to get hit from that, you know, you're going to – that poor fullback's going to get hit from the five technique when, when they take the option from the outside in. I feel bad for the fullbacks, but I tell them, hey, don't worry. We're gonna block this guy. We're gonna kick it. We'll trap him. We'll screw him up too. And then we'll run a counter dive option. We'll let you go cut that guy. You know, he's coming in there, coming in there hard, and you just go in there, you get the takeout, you know, six inches above play side knee, drive through it, make him pay too. Let him know what it's like so that he doesn't he doesn't want to come down there to blow you up because hey, this might not be a blow-up play. This might be that counter dive where I got, you know, hey, uh I can remember when we I did it at Akron and that old boy man he was so mad at Garobi and me, he said that was illegal. I said, Well, you guys are just blowing up the fullback every time. I mean, you gotta let those guys at least give an opportunity. And uh so the fullback could get him you know, he'd get his little he'd get his in. And then there were plays where those guys had to take it for the team. And I'd tell them I'd come in afterwards and I'd say, you took it for the team. That's the best thing you can do. You're tougher than most people. I mean, and I think we always uh, in, encourage toughness to to play that to play our our, our offense, and uh, I think it's good to have those kids do it. And I think they all bonded because they they knew they were doing something special, and then they could see it going on, and it scored points, and and it and it was special. And then uh, when we got those first rings, I think that was as good as I, one of the first times you could put your finger up and say you're number one. Like they they used to play the blue gray game afterwards to say, "Well, play the winner of the blue gray game now," <laughs> but the. <laughs> He didn't and then uh I, I i think it just kind of evolved and then each time we we would do some things i mean i, I saw the midline option first in, in lake highland prep in dallas texas uh-huh. i tried to get put it in out there in hawaii and um he didn't he didn't uh he, he likes it he likes to know when you're doing something that he can has an answer for what you do and yeah. he didn't have all the answers for all that so he he had to study it a little bit more. And then when I went to Ohio, I put it in uh, because we didn't have a, we had some good kids. I played a true freshman named Mike Solominski. God bless him. I hope he's he's a good, smart kid. And, but uh, we played uh, them boys at North Carolina. And the Walls was playing a defense, a defense three technique. And, and he is just kicking his butt. And I said, Souls. Can you not block him? He said, "No, sir." I said, "I don't think you can either. We're gonna have to do something here." And so we ran some midline and we ran some trap to try to help him. But afterwards, the souls like, "Man, coach, how you was gonna rip me?" I said, "I was," but then you looked at me and told me you couldn't block him. I realized you were right. I mean, <laughs> there are times that there are times that Jimmys and Joes are better than X's and O's, and. Yep. Uh, that there are some real big kids out there nowadays and they can really run and they can get to the ball and they can get in the ball in a hurry with a bad attitude. And, uh, those are the ones that usually win games. Uh, you yep. can run and Come there with a bad attitude. But does that answer your question? Oh yeah. That was awesome. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And While you were talking to it, cause like <laughs> I had like two different thoughts in my mind. I, one, one was, uh, we were talking about inside beer a little bit there and and you were talking about how difficult it is for that tackle to be able to get inside up to that backer sometimes versus that eight man front out. And I was just wondering if like the technique that you taught your tackle to veer release has it throughout your career has it have you have you evolved that technique at all?
1: You know what I mean? Like yeah, the I, 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 and I came up with some good catchphrases too: uh, step, dip, and rip. Uh, let your ear go through his hip. Hear what he has to say. If your ear is at hip level, you can do it. And then you have those lines on the field. And I used to put those kids underneath the chute and I'd have them going straight up that field, straight up that line and step, dip, and rip. And, you know, and I'd hand bounce through there too on occasion, if you had to, because five techniques, if you're up there chest to chest with them, they they can wash you the whole way across and eliminate you. But if you can step, dip, and rip and get through the hip, if you can stay down low and the second step needs us to try to step on the toes of the inside foot of the five technique or the four technique, if it's a four technique that, you got to get your second step, trying to get it up there, toe to toe on him, so that you can, you know, get there. And the first step can't be lateral. The first step's got to go forward. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, every single day. And I know later on you asked me a question about a drill that I would do, and i do this drill. Like I said, Mark Hunter tried to get me to take a 16 step, but I would take a, a two by four. And I would place it at the, like at the goal post. And I put those kids in a three point stance or sometimes they'd get in four point stances, but I get in a three point stance where the back is flat and their hips are between the knees and the ankles. That's why, that's how I always wanted it. And I wanted 60, 40 weight distribution. And I wanted the shoulder pads. uh, I wanted to make sure your shoulder pads, because you can get, you can get in the stance where you're all gathered up. Sometimes them offensive linemen get all gathered up and look like a frog. (laughs) <laughs> but your hips and your shoulder pads on the same plane. And you want to have a little bit of that chest plate ahead of your knees. And then you want to drop that hand out there just in front of your eyebrows over your eye so that you're in that position. Now, what I would do is I would go to the outer islands and I would teach those kids. I would go to the goalpost and I'd put both feet behind the goalpost, but I'd have that two by four there too. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I just say, Hey, all I wanted them to do was like, they're going to step with their right foot. All I wanted them to do was take their left knee and roll it to the ground, and if they roll their left knee to the ground, their hips would go forward. And when their hips would go forward, they're they're gaining that six inch, and you got so much weight forward, you can't take a you can't take a, a long step. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would do that forever in a day, and I would put. I, I called it the four-board drill, but I only used three boards. And I, <laughs> and That's what John –
2: Coach Hughes just hit me up and he said, ask Coach why he, he's got a four-board drill, but he only uses three. He, he, he just sent me that.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it's a, <laughs> well, you got to understand, sometimes our South Georgia kids couldn't <laughs> but, uh, uh, but my, But what I try to do is get two two steps in before my hand because it that now you're you're coming off in a running position and you're actually hitting in a in a position and your hips are lower than the defender if you're coming off like that. And I think that's one of the biggest drills that I, that I do every single day. And then at the end of the shoot, I had a shoot made in Hawaii that was 4 by 4 by 24. Hawaiian George, he was a he was a uh he was a maintenance guy for us. He was just a uh he was a janitor, um, but he was a he did some welding, and, and he put these pipes together for me, and he made my, my shoots. He made my shoots four by four by, by 24, and so it was four feet tall, four feet long, or uh, wide, and 24 feet long. I had a little triangle thing that I used the same shoot everywhere I went. I Larry Conrath was our realtor, and he was a, a part-time welder in Ohio, and he made my shoots, and then Roger Inman made my shoots down at Georgia Southern when I went back down there, and Title Nine provided the provided the materials because they were putting a new batting cage in for the softball girls, and I got that got the use of some of their uh, <laughs> some of their angle I'm iron. No. There you go. So, yeah. and, and you don't want to use that real big. You can't use PVC because it, it'll break, and you don't want to use that real thick uh, pipe because it's uh um it's too it, and your kids are gonna they're gonna ring their heads on that thing every once in a while because they're gonna pop up and they're gonna try to see where they're going. And you just want to look through your eyebrows when you're coming through there. And so what I would do is I'd put that four board drill. I'd put their, their butts against the, the pole of the pole. And then I'd have the two by four where their feet were behind it. And they were staggered to just like you'd stagger anything Your right hand down, your, your left foot's up, your right foot's back, left hands. If you're in a left-handed stance and your left foot's back and your right foot's up. And then, I'd go up over step with my inside foot so that if I was zone zone blocking or base blocking, or even beer blocking, I'd try to get that, I'd roll that knee to the ground and I'd just roll that knee to get down to get started. And I try to get two steps before my hand. And that's where I place the other board. So the one board is behind your toes, and the other board's in front of your hands. And so you're trying to get two steps the length of your body. And then the third board is where you want to get your third step. You want to get it between. And so what you want to do is when you're watching the kids do the drill, you want each step to gain ground. You want that six inch jab step, then like an 18, 24 inch uh, second step. And then your the third step's going over the board. And that's going to be about a three foot split. That's going to be about a three foot uh, uh, step. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is the kids will start to, they'll, they'll stagger off. They'll get two steps before the board, but they'll balance themselves off. They're not going forward. They're just balancing themselves off and then they're trying to catch it. And what you want to do is you want to go forward as fast as you can. You want to try to sprint five yards down the field just as fast as you can and hit whatever comes – whatever gets in your way. And uh, sometimes there's a D lineman standing right in there, but that's the guy you got to hit and you got to try to knock him back out of there 18 inches. I mean, that's all we're asking for. And all I'm really asking for on the base block is the third step goes forward. If your first two steps are in the ground, that's great, but if your third step goes forward, that's a plus. If you when you hit the linebacker and that step goes through that guy, that's a plus. And I was a tough grader. I I would grade kids. I'd give them a 9 sometimes. The kids would be like, "Coach, I played we, we scored 57 points." I, I played I really played, my guy never made a sack. I didn't do this." And he says, "How am I get a 9?" I says, "Cuz you're a little bit better than an 8." And I said, That's it is. <laughs> if the footwork is good, then you can just about block anybody. And if you have that leverage and you're in there, there's a, another drill that I learned a long time ago uh, when we were in Hawaii, the sumo was big. So I used to do a sumo drill and I used to teach it. But what happens is the uh, younger kids, their their kneecaps aren't developed like older kids and, and they would, sometimes they would, they would get hurt. And I, I quit doing that drill with my younger kids, but college kids, I mean, camps and clinics, I would do that a little bit more, but I, it started to become a little bit more violent than I wanted that drill to be. So I, I stopped doing it, but it was to try to dr- drop your hips when on contact. So I, I had another drill in the, on the, with the, and John Hughes might remember this one too. It's called marry the dog. And it's just, uh, you get yourself in a good hitting position, your hips and shoulders are flat against a, a bag. And you just roll, you keep your shoulders at the same level, but you just roll your hips down. You roll your hips down. So you're trying to hit low to high and in the out. And so you're trying to come out with some power. And what you do is I'd go roll it, roll it, walk it out. And I used to do that all the time. And uh, Trickett came up when Trickett got released down there at Florida State. He came up and watched our practice a couple of times. And he was just in fact, he says, how long have you been doing that drill? I said, since 87. He said, I've never seen that drill. He says, that's the most, he says that drill right there to tell your kids how, how, how much flexibility they have and how much power they actually have, how much range of motion they have in their hips. Cause some kids, God bless them. They can't really roll their hips. Right. And they just kind of hit, they kind of hit dead stick. And then what you want to do is you want to hit and roll into there. you want, I had a couple pictures of Shaq Mason hitting and rolling. I'm telling you, that's a million dollar move. And, well, obviously, it's a $55 million move yeah, now. Right, right, right. He was as good as he, – he was as good. And, and and then Parker Braun came along. He was as good. And and Omega Uzi, I mean, shoot, out there in Hawaii, Larry Jones. And them boys could – they could knock some people out there. I mean, you know, when he was a kid and you used to play catch and everybody would catch a ball and they'd clap. And they say, oh, that guy's really talented. It takes a real talented individual to knock somebody back off. Okay. Like a 300-pound guy who knocked him back 18 inches. I told them boys, I'll clap for you anytime you knock them boys back. I said that <laughs> you don't ever see them doing that in neighborhoods anymore. No, unfortunately, you don't. But you, you, know. Know. <laughs> you know. And nowadays, you get it. You got those offensive tackles in two point stances, and the guard, the guard the box in three point stances because everybody's running the out of the pistol and they're running out of the gun, which is I think it, it still has option principles in it. But it's just not the ball's not a yard and a half from the line of scrimmage. And it just doesn't hit as fast. And sometimes those see stunts and t- but I'll tell you what, with the motions and how these guys are doing some things and putting packages together, yeah. You know, they're very impressive. I mean, yeah. I, I when my Nick played down there at Georgia Southern and Willie Fritz was down there with Doug Roos and them, I, they had a real nice they had a real nice package where it all and I think any offense that you have you have to have everything kind of blend together so that you don't know whether it's a counter play you don't know whether it's the trap you don't know whether it's the sweep you don't know whether it's the play action pass and off of every blocking scheme that you have you have to have a pass off of it so that it looks exactly like it and so when they try to overplay or they try to do some things to you that you can just uh, stop them but we're, there have been times when we've been stoned and then we have tried to come up with a way and I think in the Orange Bowl against Mississippi State, we only ran we only ran the Belly G six times all year. And uh we got down there and we they were so big and so huge we couldn't knock those three techniques out. And no matter what we did, we kept doubling them and sometimes we just double them and even try to get to the linebacker. And we I we would just I would just tell Johnson that, oh, we're getting caught up. <laughs> <And> we, <laughs> We, we couldn't get up there I mean Johnson would say that's sometimes he said that's the best thing you can do sometimes and it is because uh, once you get it started sometimes the full a good fullback will make that guy when he if he can get he can get through the mesh point and get two yards down the field before he gets pop he's got a nice he's got a, he's got a seven yard sprint going and that's I think that's key too. Yeah. you know the other thing that I noticed that, that we've done so much that I think that we did really good job of is our fullbacks always um, even when I know when I first put it in, they were in sprinter stances. I mean, we had narrow bases. Their feet were really in there. It wasn't more than about a football length wide. And so they would when they were hitting it, they were hitting it fast. They were sprinting. Yeah. They put that inside arm, they put that inside arm up and give them a guy, get that full back, give that quarterback a pocket. And I'm gonna tell you right now, when that quarterback took his two steps and reached back out there, he had already filled some cloth. And then he could read it, and all of a sudden, boom. And they used to do an accelerate drill that Johnson. Yeah. He'd do it, and we did it for, I'll tell you, we did it from 1985 to 2018, or 2018. I mean, it was same drill that, that Johnson did way back when. He'd asked him, and they, and all those quarterbacks that played for him, or even our guys that coached us, they hit, they, they'd They ask him, they'd say, how, how can you get that thing timed up? So and that's the biggest part, I think, is to get your first, I mean, for the quarterback, obviously get his first two steps in the ground, obviously for the fullback, get his. And the same with the offensive line. If they're all getting theirs at the same time, it's good. And the biggest part is the center quarterback exchange is you want to be stepping and snapping at the same time. You cannot step and you can see, you can see as a line coach, you can watch it from anywhere across the field. You can see when the center is just snapping the ball and they can step because he gets an arch in his back and he, he doesn't go forward. And you want that hips and shoulders to go forward. And it's the same thing. And, you gotta work on because the mesh because the, the fumbles for most times for the quarterback on the center quarterback exchange will be sprint out left where the where the when the quarterback's sprinting out to the left and you're, you're, uh, gar, your your guard your center is snapping and turning his hips so he kind of short snaps him because his hips get in the way. And then it's on 77. It's also when it's the center goes back on. 33 anytime he go the center pulls go the right-handed right-handed quarterback right-handed center anytime he he go pulls you know, the center blocks back to the left and the action is going to the right there's a little bit of a disconnect i mean you got to practice that over and over and over again because that's where your center quarterback exchange camps happen 99 percent of the time now if the one comes on 22 that's just two people one of the people being lazy and i always i always i know this court. I know the. Centers always blame the quarterbacks, but I was fortunate enough that uh, Tim Harkness worked at Tampa Bay and I got to spend five days down there with him. And they, Carl uh, uh, Mock was the center. And as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, both my hands got just he, – he snapped that ball so hard it hit me in the hands because I asked him about center quarterback exchange. He, he, he was with the Houston uh, Oilers and he had Dan Pastorini and Kenny Stabler as two quarterbacks. Well, Pastorini's right-handed, and Stabler's left-handed. Yep. And and Carl Marx said, let me show you what I did. I snapped with my right hand to Pastorini, bam! He slapped my hand. I'm telling you, all the blood. At my, when you look <laughs> down, you see that white, you know, all you see is white, no red in your hand anymore. Yeah. He hit me that hard. As I'm sitting here talking to you right now, I can still feel the tingle in my hand. <laughs> then he said, hey, put your other hand up in there. And trepidatiously, if that's a word, I stuck yeah. my hand up in there and 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 you know, like, and he snapped that ball with his left hand like Pastorini and he smacked. I'm telling you, that ball stuck on my hand. <laughs> and I told my snap, I told my centers all the time. I said, Hey, that's how you do it now. I mean, that is that, that's what you got to do. And uh, yeah. I think that the, you know, cause it's easy to blame, you know, it's always easy to blame somebody else. So they didn't do this or he didn't do that, but it's hard to take responsibility for that. And I, I know that sometimes it is the quarterback because I'll watch myself, I'll see him start to pull out, and I was like, That son of gun didn't ride us. But you got to ride him because if you hey, if you do it all the time and you're always firing out, and you're always firing out and you're always firing out, your quarterback will he'll learn how to ride up in there yeah. and do a good job yeah. with it. that's, yeah. You know, and we've I mean that's one thing that I don't mean, think Paul's we stress that. I mean, I used to do that every single day. That's a good drill in the offseason too. Yeah. I'll give you one other drill then and, and then and if you got another question, but one other drill that I always thought was, that was good for me was um, yeah, I would try to get the kids to learn about leverage and angles. If you took a step, if you took a long step and your toe led your knee, and so your shoulder pads, would be, your, your knee would be ahead of your shoulder pads. So if you took a long, real long step, your toe would be in front of your knee, your knee would be in front of your shoulder pads, and you'd always be standing straight up. So I'd tell the kids to get down on their knees And just like that, be straight up. And I'd have another guy just put his hands on his shoulder pads and just try to push him over. You would be surprised at how easy it is to push a guy over like that. Then I told him what I want him to do is I want to take two steps. I want to hit low to high. I want to have that Z. So what I try to do is I tell him, hey, I want your knees. I want your toes behind your hips. I want your hips between your knees and uh, your knees and your toes. And I want you to have a nice flat back. And I just put them down in there on their, on their, you know, hands on the ground and I'd say, okay, now try to knock this guy out. Couldn't knock him out. The only way they can ever knock him out. And you'll get guys that are smart enough to figure this out. The only way they can get out is to bend hips down underneath and roll it out. And then you look at your kids and say, that's what I want you to do at the point of attack. What you just did right there to beat the drill. That's what I want you to do when you get out there. And in the wintertime, you can do that every fall. In every spring, the whole time I coached, I did that drill every single – because we would go out there in shorts. And sometimes in shorts you can't accomplish what we do like you like to. But you can do it – hey, you can do it in shorts. And Hughes, when I was down there with Key West, Hughes, we would go out there in shorts on the first day. But I'd only try to get down there for when we were in pads. But (laughs) uh, but the first day we were always in shorts, and I'd put that drill in with those little kids, and I'd try to show it all of them. I'd say, hey. And then you you find out how wide your base has to be. Your base should be as wide as the man you're blocking. If you're blocking a real skinny kid, then your feet need to be that skinny. If you're blocking a real big kid, your feet need to be that wide. Because you yeah. got to try to you got to have leverage to knock him out. If you don't, it's you're not going to have much success.
0: Yeah, that's
1: great stuff, man. You're well, loading us up with some drills. I appreciate
2: that.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, go ahead, Tony.
2: No, I I just had uh, two things I wanted to ask about. I know we're going probably way too long with you, (laughs) but I love it. You know what I mean? Uh, um, I I had a question about uh, turn back protection. uh, I've seen your drill videos uh, in in the past, and it's just something I've never uh, got into uh, because I just didn't understand it too much, you know what I mean, on sprint out, you know? I wondered if you could speak on that. And then the, the old quarterback draw. That's something that is just – I never um, understood how – I've always seen the little play diagrams and stuff, but I've never talked to somebody about how the quarterback draw, and it seems like it's a great
1: play on third and a country mile, right? Oh, man, <laughs> it is. Especially when you had – great, especially we had Greg Hill down yeah. at uh, Georgia Southern with uh, Furman. We Paul ran 60, ran 60 run quarterback draw, 60 run quarterback draw, 60 run quarterback draw. We went down there and actually scored a touchdown to win the game. It was tied. And I was just like, dang. We, all we did was run the quarterback. Yeah, he's our best player. Let's get him. Like <laughs> Kirk Russell used to say, let your rabbits run. Hey, get your ball to your best players and let them run. Let them run fast and far. It's a lot better that way. Turn back protection. Turn back protection is gap protection. And all I ever did was I put them in their stances and then I would spit. I tell them, spit and then step on the spit. And if you were covered, if you were covered, you'd spit, you'd spit where that, if the guy was on your outside shoulder, you kind of spit, but you'd punch and you'd extend that hand out and you'd let that hip. And all you did was just t- roll your, uh, uh, turn your body perpendicular to the line of scrimmage. Punch, punch, set, scan, scoot was, a, was my phrase. Punch, set, scan, scoot. When you punched, you wanted to punch the defender wherever he was. Now you, you're going from your crotch to the crotch of the center and that's your gap. That's all you're looking for. And if you got a man on you, you're punching him and you let him decide if he wants to go in front of you, that's fine. If he wants to go out the back, that's fine. Also it's because you're punched and you set, you get your hips down underneath his hips. You want him to come either try to bull you over or make a decision. But if you, if you, if you step and you just stand up right up, upright, then there's going to be a, uh, uh, a weak link in your, in your uh, offensive line. Cause you're going to get pushed back. you want to hold the line of scrimmage. You want to hold the line of scrimmage. So it's punch, set, scan, scoop. I punch and I set. So I drop my hips down there. I step where I spit. I punch and step at the same time. I step where I spit and I'm looking in my gap. I'm spying line to linebacker level, looking for that backside twister, looking for guys coming down and I punch. I don't see anybody coming and I sc- Punch, sand, scan, scoot. When I don't have anybody in my gap, I start to scoop down, scoot down the line of scrimmage, staying on the line of scrimmage, not coming back off, not coming, not leaning up forward, just coming straight down the line of scrimmage towards the sideline. So that if the guy went behind me, I'm also restricting that gap that he can move on. If I'm the guard, it's helping the tackle out. If I'm the tackle, the it's helping the A back out because i'm putting my butt in there and i'm and I'm, I'm restricting him from going anywhere the biggest thing you have to do work is your center because for us our center our the hand the heel of our hand was on the toes of the center of the center we were that far off the line of scrimmage and the reason we were that far, the better your offensive line the closer to the ball you need to be the not the sorrier, but the the Inexperienced to your offensive line. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> experienced offensive line. You want to try to be back as far as you can because it helps on scoops, it helps on your traps, it helps on your pools. it helps you helps you be re- release, it helps you to get up the field, it helps you to get through the clutter. So, the center when he steps, he steps on the ball. He doesn't step. He doesn't step where he spits. He steps on the ball, and he takes an Amosa cheat step because Amosa Amosa was our center in Hawaii, and I. Would try to get him to do that. And all of a sudden, I saw Mosa, he would like take two quick steps. And I'm like, damn, what are you doing there? And, then, and it made sense because now he would take a second step and now he would be in the same, he would be on the same plane as the guard and the tackle. In other words, he wasn't up forward anymore. He'd right. take his step to the ball and kind of drop step that left foot. Or, or if he was, if he was, if it was even numbers went to the right, odd numbers went to the left. So if you're going 60, he was going to the right. So everybody punched to the right, you know, and we did tree routes off of it. So the quarterback, 67, 66, 68, 69, everything went to the right. And so when they punch, set, scan, scoot, you'd punch and set and you'd scan and then you'd scoot to that line. The center's got to do the same thing. He's got to go step to the ball and come back in there. And he's, he's at a disadvantage going when it's 60 protection because he's snapping the ball, his right hand's in his crotch. So he's got to try to get his hip into the defender if he's got a nose guard or if he's got a shade he's got to try to help with his hip and the only way he can help with his hip is if he drops his butt down again he like steps and, and then takes an Amosa cheat step and i and i called it the Amosa cheat step forever and guys are always asking you know, what who was Amosa, and he was a great player he was a six foot one probably 285 295 center that played for us out in hawaii he could have played anywhere in the country and. He probably could have played at the next level, but he was just six foot one. And that was with both his shoes. That was with shoes on. <laughs> sometimes in Hawaii they would practice without shoes, so it didn't matter. And then the backside guard, and obviously the backside tackle, even on that hinge protection, you still would hinge with the guard, but that tackle sometimes I would I, I would never let him. You can't let him hinge because it would sprint around the outside. I'd have him kicks by Yeah, okay. Keep it there. And then the draw, the draw yeah, comes so. off the jaw comes off the same look as uh, is a uh, uh, run and shoot principles 360 370 or or you know 60s and 70s you you can sprint too but you're going to use your a backs so you're going to have it's going to be a two man route sometimes you can get a three man route but the field gets shut down you're sprinting over there you're coming over there it's hard to get three defenders it's hard to get three uh, it's hard to get three levels on a sprint out over there so you want a half roll and off your ha- and your best draw off the half roll is uh, 81 eighty one eighty two eagle, which is nothing more than play side guard, play side tackle. Their play side tackle is base to white, play side guards base base. Uh, if uh, you can do base to white there too, if you if you got a four, if you got two good men on the line of scrimmage, and you wanted to put the fullback on the play side linebacker, that's the best thing you can do. And then the center and the backside guard, they're responsible for the first down lineman head up to the backside linebacker and the backside tackle he's responsible for B gap on out. You could go ahead and wipe the backside if you wanted to with a four I and everything, but the backside linebacker is going to be a factor. And the only thing you can do there is hopefully by formation. And I think formation is probably one of the best things you can do to get a good, because when your trip's right and you, you're in a passing set, you, but it's good out of spread too. Don't get me wrong. Cause you can use that eight back to come back in and fold in and help you on the linebacker. If you've got a four I back there. But most of the time they're gonna kick the, they're gonna kick a, a gap over. The linebackers gonna kick the trips or unbalance. They're gonna kick everything over to that side. And now all of a sudden you got angles on everybody going back to the backside. And the biggest guy you want to try to get obviously is that backside linebacker. He's the one that makes, he's the one that's gonna see it all. The fullback's seeing everything the same. All of a sudden now he sees the center and guard come together to hit, and all of a sudden one of them decides to come up and get him. That's it. Whoever stays in the a gap on the backside for that center, whoever stays in that a gap with a shade or two eye, and it's a, it's good to run the play away from the backs from the s- smallest technique. If you got a two eye to your left and you want to run it to the right, because you've got a now you got the center and guard coming back there hip to hip on it, and if he stays in that gap, then the guard's kind of sit thousand one thousand two, and then he kind of rolls around. He just folds up inside and leads up on that side linebacker. And he also is spying. Those two are spying that linebacker. Say the linebacker buzzes out there to number one underneath the flat. Well, there's no use to fold around. Just go straight up the field now. And if that two-eye loops out, then all of a sudden he just stays on him and just walls him off. And then the center sets and goes. The backside guard and the backside tackle make this play go because – what's going to happen is the quarterback's going to beat those guys play side. Cause what he sees there, he half rolls to the right. He sees the base blocks. He finds him. He finds a natural seam and he goes up in there, the backside five technique. He starts up the field. He sees the guy coming and You got to retrace. So that backside tackle, he's going to sit there, thousand, one thousand two. And then he's got to think, Hey, take away the inside, no matter where it is, take away the inside because you don't want him to retrace. Because then he can get over there and make the tackle for a four-yard game. This way, you make him go the whole way around. You would like him to go ahead and speed rush around the outside and just keep on pushing him back there. But they don't; they just <laughs> won't, they won't cooperate. And so that's kind of what that's kind of how we did that. Uh, that's how we did the that's how we did the draw, and it was very simple for us. I mean, but you had to work on it. And and the biggest the biggest problems on that again are the center and the backside guard feeling that relationship when to let that guy go and who's actually got him who doesn't get him i've seen it where they both go t- chase after the linebacker and you're like guys what in, <laughs> in the he, he started to go outside yeah he started to but he didn't hey the one thing about having offensive linemen is they after you were there with you for a while they uh they start to use the rules on you. Uh huh. Yeah. Mis- hey, for their mistakes,
0: yeah.
1: it's your fault, obviously, because it could be the players you ever been around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <But they're-
0: laughs> yeah, they don't like to be wrong, do they, coach?
1: No, they don't. because <laughs> Hey, they get chewed all the time. I told them all yeah. the time. I said, Boys, we're playing for the last two paragraphs of the article. Because if you're, hey, if you if you're in the first, if the offensive line's mentioned in the first two paragraphs, it. it's because we couldn't pass protect and we couldn't run. But in the last two paragraphs, it's always like, I want to thank my offensive line for getting me, five, <laughs> let me rush for five touchdowns today. <laughs> <laughs> That's all
0: right, well, Coach. Before I let you go, man, I guess got one thing, and you mentioned it earlier. I, I'm on a quest this year to bring back inside Veer. Um. And you know as well as I do, it ain't being run enough. So um, just real quick, you said it earlier, but just re- rehash your feelings on inside beer.
1: Well, I think the best thing about the inside beer is establishing the fullback yeah. and getting that movement up in there. The, 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 the hard, I think why some people get away from the inside beer more and more is because that backside linebacker. Uh-huh. The zero noses, they, they kind of grab the center and won't let him get up in there. But you let that fullback cut off. See, the thing about the inside beer is that, that fullback can run um, in the B gap, in the A gap, and even in the backside A gap. He doesn't want to, but he—he, will he, just—it's like water flowing down. If you get a little push, it's water flowing downhill. They'll try to find that seam, and that helps you a lot. So the backside scooping is very, very, very important. And kids don't—I uh, shouldn't say kids don't—the uh, kids aren't asked anymore to go and scramble scoop or cut off that backside. They, they don't, they're not told to get dirty. I mean, my guys, if they, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd want to see grass stains. I used to tell them all the time. I said, I want her equipment, man, i so pissed off at me. That, <laughs> and I I'd tell the kids, I said, I want your mama to, to get a good picture. I want her to see grass all over you. I want her, I don't want her to see a nice clean uniform because then she's not, not sure what you did. Yeah. Now, I said, if you got grass on you and you're dirty and everything else like that, she thinks, boy, my boy did something special out there. Cutting off the backside is the biggest part of running that fullback up in that gap. You got to get that play side linebacker. You got to stop the linebackers from running. I think releasing the tackles outside is what we, you know, anytime against the six one or anytime the uh, uh, center could stop that Mike linebacker from hitting the B gap then you should run a Geronimo scheme. Mm -hmm. Uh, To the shade side, you could run a slip scheme where that guard protects that B-gap, but you got to make sure the B-gap is protected. The A-gap is going to be secure and get movement, but the B-gap has got to be protected for B-pops and stuff like that from the inside out. From the outside in, it's the quarterback's responsibility. The tackle has to make the call, whether the linebacker, the play side linebacker, which is the first linebacker inside the tackle box, which is from the outside foot of the tackle to the outside foot of the other tackle, and the tackles make a call. If the quarterback doesn't like what the tackle calls and the quarterback says, I can read that guy, he'll say that linebacker is out. And then everybody else will play the linebacker is out. But you got to know who the play side linebacker is. And if the guard is covered, the tackle has to be responsible for the play side linebacker. If the guard is uncovered, then the guard needs to be responsible for the play side linebacker. And you get the outside release. Against the 50 defense, the tackle with outside release. Guard has the play side B gap. He's got straight up the field. He goes and gets that guy. To a four, I'd have the guard step with the inside foot so he doesn't get pushed off or get knocked back off. And even though I have him stepping with the inside foot, I don't have him stepping down inside because then he's going to step down inside and then belly back out and he's going to push the guy out. He wants to base that linebacker and get his head on the outside peck of that guy. I used to have a, this is this is probably politically incorrect now, but I used to have a gum drop and I'd put a gum drop on a kid's chest plate and I'd say, this is where I had the big guards back then that like candy. I'd say this is where you got to get your head, get it to the gumdrop, and I put the gumdrop on the kid's jersey, and I try to get them to hit the linebacker and work themselves out to the linebacker and get get on the outside peck. and I tell the tackle when he outside releases, he wants to try to get to that gum, he wants to get that gumdrop too. Yeah. So I, I, there were a couple times, and there were a couple, there was one time in 2014 up in Athens. Where them boys put it on them, put it on Hernandez and that other linebacker and they put it on him pretty good. Yep. Shaq and, and, and Aaron Joe and Brian Chamberlain and and, and Trey Braun played for us in and Freddie Freddie was our center. I mean we they got after him pretty good man. Them linebackers didn't want them guards and tackles anymore. <laughs> and then what happened is I think the quarterback has got to get downhill. He has the ball. He make make that guy come to you when you run the inside beer establishing the, the fullback is 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 what you want to try to do and the one way you can do it again is uh run 22 and 23 run the the zone give mm-hmm. to make that fullback get it started and make sure other hands, hey you can't run out of here because that fullback hits that scene and you want fullbacks like uh well like Zach Lasky and uh um little, the little Sims boy that we had I mean we, you want fullbacks that can run you want speedy that you don't you don't you want guys once they hit it man just like gerald harris gerald harris he wasn't fast but he he was pretty good at angles he he'd break through there make a guy miss and then he'd he'd run as far as he could and as fast as he could and it seemed he would always get tackled just about the goal line (laughs) he would get down there and he'd get in just just barely get in i mean if they had pylon cams that's how he didn't he led the he led the team in scoring down there for us at one year i mean he's he was good. Well, Adrian Peterson did a great job for us down at Georgia Southern. I mean, um, a different Adrian Peterson. Than some people know, but in option people, that Adrian Peterson was one. Of the he, the yeah, he's the goat. Around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he is a true goat. There's no yeah. doubt about that. He really was, and he had speed, and he had power, and he had balance. And I'm gonna tell you right now, he would be if he was one on one with a guy, he would physically be upset that he didn't beat him. Yeah. And I think you have to have that mindset to play that position. You just, that position is a, that kid needs to, uh, he needs to feel like he's delivering a blow and not taking a blow. And I think sometimes you get fullbacks that, you know, like catchers used to be back blind. You can't have a fullback that's back blind. You have to have a fullback that sees, and goes right through there. And then the, the thing I think that the inside beer that, the, the, I think that more people would run it, they'd have more success. Is that they got to the line of scrimmage just that the fullback could sprint to the line of scrimmage just as fast as he could. We would have his heels at five yards from the tip of the ball, the back tip of the ball, not the front tip of the ball, but the back tip of the ball, his heels back there. And if he couldn't get to the mesh point, then we move him up to four and a half. He'd get tighter and tighter. And then if you wanted to run the counter speed or you wanted to pitch it to him or he was going to be a lead blocker or anything else, then you can put him back at five. And, uh, and, Nowadays, I mean, when I first worked with Perirk, we had the 16 millimeter films. And you click, 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 and we'd go forward and backward. Coach Russell could watch a tape and he could almost tell you what was happening. He could say, "Look at that guard right there. He's his back. You know, I can see it all the time. You know, when you when you're, I want the when I watch the offensive line, I want their ankles behind their hips. If I see their hips, if I see their ankles under their hips or in front of their hips." It's a pass or he's pulling. And that's exactly what you see happen. I mean, it's a telltale sign. And if I'm the center blocking back and every time I pull, I go on my haunches. I mean, heck, that's it. Uh, this is a tip I won't say, but I know when we played North Carolina, I'd study the tape and I'd show my kids all the time and say, Hey, look, when North Carolina balances up their feet, they're slanting across your face. And they'd do it, and the kids would be like, Coach, how did you see that? How did you know that? I said, just watch tape. And I used to Take time and show them how to watch the tape. Yeah. I don't know people. I mean, they'll give it away if if you'll pay attention. They, they, and Coach Russell showed me some of the, those little tricks that those people would do, and I, I I thanked them for it, and I made a good living off of it because of them. Because I could tell my kids, and I tell my kids, I say, hey, if the strong safety's down here and you can see him out of the corner of your eye that five technique, he ain't going to be a five much longer. <laughs> he's going to be a four eye. So don't step outside foot. You could step in. Hey, if you take an inside step and that guy beats you outside, it's my fault, because I told you to do that. But I said if you if you take an outside foot and he beats you inside and gets the quarterback on a pass rush, then it's your fault because I damn told you not to do that. And yeah, they they would do it. So I think you. I think that would help everybody to be honest with you. And then as far as that, as far as just, I think just repping it is the biggest key. And like I said. Once that quarterback gets around there, he, once he comes off the mesh, and it, the, the first two steps by the quarterback are to get yourself at five, either seven, or five o'clock, get that second step, step it at the at the read key, making a decision for your front foot, your third foot, your third step is actually just shifting your weight from your back foot to your front foot for the quarterback, and then his fourth step is to step right, try to step on the heels of the court of the B back when he goes through there that he's coming downhill right now. Yeah. And that'll stop. That'll stop all that bleeding. That'll stop all that going out. And before you know it, that quarterback's going downhill fast.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. That, yeah. I think that's one thing that I, I, I that when I watch other teams try to run it, I think that's the one thing that I know we did it. We did it. We try to keep it in that box. We try to get it yeah. north and south.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, boys. Well, Coach, you- man, I appreciate it. it. Was awesome. Thank you yeah. so much.
1: I had a good time. I didn't
0: realize
2: yeah. we ran this long, but. Ah, oh,
0: coach, it's all right, man. We no,
2: were, we could have gone another two or three oh, hours. I'd have no, been okay, no, but I didn't. So worry about know. your time, you know.
0: <laughs> just tell, apologize to your wife. We're sorry. We yeah. we get there so many.
2: There's so many little nuggets, man. Uh, yeah. uh, that you were just dropping. Yeah, you probably don't even realize it, but we're, I'm, I'm over here taking a bunch of notes. And I know. I got. I know, hope. coach. Was it, was it? It was awesome, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, I, I wanted got- to pay you, pay you a compliment too, because I. Uh, back in 2014, I went to Georgia Tech uh, to your you guys' spring clinic, and it was yeah. funny when you guys broke out the whiteboards. Man, you must have had 200 coaches over there listening to you, right? And and at the end, you were like, uh, "How many guys going to be here tomorrow?" And you counted them up and made sure everybody had a DVD. Man, so you're always been about paying it forward, and and uh, uh, you're you're one of my role models Coach. I really appreciate
0: you. Yeah,
1: thank you, Tony. Yeah, appreciate that. I'm honored to be in the same room with you now. No oh, man. <laughs> hey, if I can help you down at East Bay, let me know, because Ennis uh, Book's not too far from there. I'll come down there for a week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there you go. I may drive down to Key West one year. You know what I mean? You never know. So,
0: All right. That'll be Back awesome. Thank to you, too, Tony. Nice to be with you guys. Yeah, Coach, it was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome that's going to wrap this episode of the Meshpoint podcast hope you enjoyed it you can download or listen to our podcast at lightunes spotify or the google podcast app you can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about future episodes again i'm matt McLeod. you can reach me on twitter at RunTheTriple. the triple again that's at RunTheTriple. the triple our Meshpoint podcast uh, has its own twitter page and that is at the mesh point Again, at the mesh point, You can also find me on flexbonation.com. I Have an option blog there. And write articles and have plays. Uh, that can help you out, particularly during the season. Alright, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media.
3: Alright guys, go to three face football on Twitter at three face football. And uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account and uh, the cool thing about us is, is every Monday we do something called MeshPoint Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. It's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and, uh, to, to get together and network and, and uh, get to know each other, and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said great great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things it's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter so it's real cool also check out the website threefacefootball.net I've uh, got some cool gear like Fear the Veer you'll see in the background here uh, Fear the Veer stuff uh, Point gear and, and other things like that so uh, go check out that website as well